Tonight we're going to continue our study, Why a Baptist? Uh, I have enjoyed our study. I think, and I truly do think this, uh, that it is important for us to do or to understand as a church, and I hope you've enjoyed it as well. I want to, I want to say it, I want to say it very frequently. Remember, our goal is not to recruit people uh, to be Baptists. That's not why we're doing this. It's not to convert people uh, to being a Baptist, but the goal of our study is really to understand what we believe. I'm talking about you and talking about I. Uh, as individuals, what do we believe? Uh, and then, the, and then the, the, the truth, why do we believe that? Uh, what do we believe and why do we believe those things? Now, we do know that it does matter. Sometimes we think, well, it doesn't matter. Just do what you do. Uh, it absolutely does matter. So I want us to know what we believe, what I believe, what you believe as individuals, and why we hold to that, why we uh, believe it. In our study, we've moved through a section uh, that are called Baptist Distinctives. Uh, these are things that we hold as true uh, as Baptists. If you were to ask me, what does it mean to be a Baptist, or what do Baptists believe? Uh, these are the things that people would talk about. Uh, we've been working through this list. Uh, that list would include our position on the Bible. That was the, uh, the starting place, what we hold uh, true of the Bible, the Word of God. Uh, it's, it's dealt with the priesthood of the believer, uh, the autonomy of the local church, that the local church uh, stands alone. Uh, it's dealt with the ordinances of the church. We talked about uh, the two ordinances of the church, baptism. Uh, what does that mean? Why do we baptize? How do we baptize? And then we talked about the Lord's Supper. Uh, we talked about another Baptist distinctive, and that is a saved, baptized church membership. Uh, you trust Jesus Christ, you are baptized into the local church. And so our membership is made up of a saved, baptized uh, church membership. We've talked about uh, eternal security, or once saved, always saved. We saw why that is a big uh, truth for us to, to understand and to know about, and why that is a, a big truth for us to embrace and to hold. Once a person is saved by faith in Jesus Christ, they are kept saved, in the power of God. And so that was, the, that was another Baptist distinctive. Um, there are two more that we're going to look at. Now, it's funny, if you were to go uh, Google Baptist distinctives, if you were to go look it up, uh, there are lists that have five, there are lists that have six, there are lists that have nine, there's a list that has 12, another one has 13. And so you can find different variations of Baptist distinctives. We're going to look at uh, two more. We're going to look at the one we're going to look at tonight and then one more. Next week, we're going to look at the separation of church and state. Now, that is an important Baptist distinctive, again, in the culture of the day that we're in. And so we're going to talk about that next week. Uh, and then tonight, we're going to look at uh, the belief that we hold or the idea uh, that Baptists are a non-creedal people. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Baptists are a non creedal people. Now, maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've never heard that before. Uh, that sounds like a weird thing for me to say. Well, Baptists are non-creedal people. Uh, that may be a confusing thing to try and understand. Uh, it may even seem insignificant. I noticed on some of the list, people are starting to leave this off, uh, but I think it is a big deal, and I think it does uh, bear significance to us in our practice today. It is important, and I'll just tell you, increasingly so in the day that we exist in. It is increasingly important in our day. Baptists are a non 
creedal people. Baptists are a non-creedal people. Now, what does that mean? Now, what that means is, as Baptists, we do not recite, memorize, promote, refer to, defer to, or confirm to any religious creed. Let me say that again. You may have noticed that about the Baptist church. As Baptists, we are a non-creedal people. What does that mean? It means as Baptists, as a whole, we do not recite, memorize, promote, refer to, defer to, or conform to any religious creed. We are a non-creedal people. Uh, so let's start off tonight by talking about what is a creed. If we are a non-creedal people, what exactly is a creed? Well, here's, here's the definition that I found. The definition is this. A creed is a formal, often authoritative statement of Christian belief. That is the working definition. Let me say that again. What is a creed? A creed is a formal, often authoritative statement of Christian belief. That's what a creed is. Now, let me just tell you, the reason that creeds exist uh, is because that some person or maybe some group of people, uh, they wanted to fend off heresy in the church or they wanted to keep from happening the embracing of non-truth in the church. And so they would form a creed uh, in their idea to protect the truth. And so a creed was built uh, to anchor to, and that's what they would do and that's what they have done, and to clarify and guard the truth. And so they would say, these are the truths of the Christian faith and we want to guard them. We do not want them to become messed up. We do not want them to become washed out. And so to protect them, to guard them, and to clarify them for us, we are going to make these creeds. Now that's generally how they started uh, in, in well-intentioned and good intention to protect and guard and clarify uh, Christian truth. Now, there are actually many creeds. Tonight, I'm going to talk about the two most popular, the two most uh, used or the two most referred to are the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. Now, maybe you've heard of one of those or maybe you've heard of both of those, the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. Uh, the Apostles' Creed, let me just talk about that for just a second. It is credited to the 12 apostles. Uh, it is said that they devised it. This is their creed. And we would say, well, they walked with Christ. They saw all this unfold. Uh, surely that would be a good source to go to. And so they would say the Apostles' Creed, they, uh, they authored it. They devised it. Uh, and some would say they even recorded it. Some say associates of theirs recorded it. Uh, in their dealings with these apostles. And so they would say, these are the beliefs of the apostles. These are the truths that were held to by the apostles. They are the authors of the apostles' creed. However, let me say this. It actually doesn't come from the apostles. It actually comes, develops in the second, third, uh, primarily third and fourth century uh, with Catholic bishops and Catholic priests. Uh, these bishops, these priests, uh, these are the questions uh, that they would ask when a person was baptized. Sometimes it became in practice, these are the, the things that they would recite, uh, parts of these creeds, 
at a person's baptism. And so it's kind of like a checklist. Here we are, we're a couple hundred years uh, from Christ. We're about to baptize somebody. And the priest would say, or the bishop would say, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Are you in agreement on this? And those questions uh, turned into this creed. Uh, it is the oldest Christian creed. Uh, there are many church denominations that teach from it, uh, that refer to it. Uh, they have Bible studies on it. They memorize it. They recite it. Uh, some of them as frequently as every week. They will recite uh, the Apostles' Creed. Churches who use the Apostles' Creed, the Roman Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, the Church of England, the Presbyterian Church, uh, the Methodist Church, several different versions, the United Methodist Church, the Lutheran Church, many versions of the Reformed Church, different expressions of the Reformed Church, many other Protestant churches as well. So a good number of churches refer to the Apostles' Creed. I'm actually going to read it to you tonight. You may know this. I'm going to read it to you. The Apostles' Creed, it says this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. Now, it's interesting. Uh, there are some that leave that line out. They disagree with that part of it, evidently, so they leave that out. There are some that will still say that. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. Now, there are some versions that say the Holy Universal Church. They've taken out the word Catholic. The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That is uh, the Apostles' Creed. Uh, the other popular creed that you may have heard of is the Nicene Creed. Uh, it is also sometimes not as often called the Creed of Constantinople. Uh, it was written or it was put together and assembled uh, by the first council of Nicaea that met in the year 325. This council comes together. These priests travel there. They have a council and they assemble this creed. It, is, it has been amended uh, several times since its original form. And so there's the original form, and there have been changes made a couple of times uh, to the original form. I'm going to read it to you as well. You'll notice it is very similar. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, come substantial with the Father. Through him all things are made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, 
who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who is spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Again, that is very similar. Again, there are other, uh, there are other creeds as well. Uh, these are the, the, the most two popular creeds. Again, when you read those, uh, we would say they are probably well-meaning in their intent. Uh, all of them were to clarify and to guard what is held to as truth. Now, understand that is a noble cause. Here is the truth. We want to protect the truth. And so these are written, these are adhered to, uh, to guard and to clarify what is held as truth. So, here's the question. So what's wrong with the dadgum Baptists? Uh, <laughs> what do they have against these creeds? You heard those creeds. What's wrong with the Baptists? What do they have against these creeds? Well, let me try and explain this to you. It all goes back to our starting place. Remember our first Baptist distinctive dealt with the Bible, the Word of God. We believe it is the actual Word of God, the literal Word of God. Uh, we believe it is without error. We believe that it is enough uh, for us as followers of Jesus Christ. We believe it leads us in all things of life and faith and practice. As Baptists, remember what we saw, our source is the Bible, the Word of God. Our statement of faith, we would say it is the Bible, the Word of God. Our authority in all things, how do we run a church? How, how do we understand who we are as people? How do we understand who Christ is? Uh, what is our future if we put our trust in Christ? All of these things, our authority in all things. How do we manage our homes? How do we treat other people? Our authority in all things is the Bible, the Word of God. And we believe our God in that is the Holy Spirit of God. And so our God, uh, it, our, our authority is the Word of God, the Bible, and our God is the Holy Spirit of God. And because of our belief in that, we reject the use of creeds. Now you say, well, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Here's what we would say as Baptists. Creeds are written by people. Did you notice that? A council met. They came up with this creed. Some priests were doing things. They evolved into this creed. Now, creeds are the interpretations of people. And here's what we know about people. You may know this truth. People, well intended or not, mess up. And, and we know that about people. You know what? You may have the greatest intention, but people, we mess up. We make mistakes. We see things with prejudices. Our environment, it influences us. And so these are written by people. They are interpretations of people, and people make mistakes. People mess up. In some churches... The creeds have grown in importance, uh, sometimes outpacing the Word of God. And in some churches, they've grown in such importance that if you notice when you, when you talk to them, instead of saying the Word of God says, uh, they'll say, well, the creed says, or our creed says, or they'll refer back to the creed. Now, understand, as Baptists, a high view of the Word of God leads us not out of arrogance, not out of looking down on somebody, but our high view of the Word of God leads us to reject the use of creeds. Therefore, we have the statement, 
As Baptists, we are a non-creedal people. As Baptists, we are a non-creedal people. Now, let me tell you this. Today, there is a renewed push, and there is a growing push that Baptists need a creed. And I don't know if you've heard people say that. It's a growing thing. Uh, there is a renewed push or a growing push that Baptists, we need to embrace a creed. And the idea is, as there are all sorts of false teachings today, and there are, and as these false teachings swirl around, we have the internet, we have all these ways that that's available to us, and they do, as they, as they travel around, people are saying, it is time that we have a creed. We need a creed. These are dangerous days. False teaching is all around us. We need a creed. They're actually saying, we want a creed. That is a growing thing. Let me say something. It's not going to be popular. Let me say this. Many of those people, most of those people right now, now there's been different time periods, but right now they come out of Reformed circles, Calvinistic circles, and they are bringing non-Baptist thought into the Baptist church. They are claiming that Baptists were always Calvinistic and they are promoting what I call a revisionist history. And so they're saying, we've always held these beliefs. That's always been the predominant view of Baptists. And so I believe they're using this to bring in a revisionist history. Watch this. Today, you, you, maybe you can go look on the internet at different churches. Many churches are embracing today those two creeds, the ones that we talked about. Many Baptist churches are now embracing those creeds. They're saying, well, we've got we've to embrace the Apostles' Creed, and we're bringing that in. Uh, many, of, many Baptist churches today, uh, they are turning to early church teachers or early church fathers. And, and so they embrace uh, their teaching as well. So they say, well, uh, this early church father, we want to know what they said, and we're embracing their teachings as well. Uh, I think that they quote them and study them to a weird extent. And he'll say, well, this person says this, or we're having a Bible study about what this church father said. Now, these people, they put lots of value on the reformers. And so they're talking about Martin Luther all the time. They're talking about John Calvin all the time. And they embrace not just those creeds, but other creeds as well. Most popular, just so you know, just so you're warned. Most popular today, they are promoting and they are teaching and they are embracing the Westminster Confession of Faith. That is a Presbyterian Confession of Faith. It comes out of the Presbyterian Church, a Calvinistic uh, ideology. And so there are Baptist churches who say, we're going to embrace the Westminster Confession of Faith. They are also embracing the 1689, remember that number, 1689 Second London Confession of Faith. That is a growing thing. That is a popular thing. They are embracing the 1689 Second London Confession of Faith. Today there are churches, and there's some right around us. Now there's one that just started in Wichita Falls, and they say this, we are a 1689 fellowship. <laughs> We're a Baptist church, but we are, and this is what they promote themselves as, a 1689 fellowship. 
They put that in their signage. They put it in their logo. There'll be a $16.89. Here's something weird. I even saw it on people's ball caps. $16.89. That's a weird ball cap. They have Bible studies working through the London Confession, the 1689 Confession. There are others that they also embrace, but these are the two main confessions of faith, really creeds that they adhere to and that they embrace. Let me tell you what they're doing. They are promoting, again, the idea that these are the historic confessions or creeds of the Baptist church reflecting the belief of the majority of Baptists. Let me say this. They were not and they are not. Let me make this simple for you. Baptists turn to the word of God. That has been what we've stuck with. That has been how we have endured. We are a non-credal people, and we turn to the word of God. Now, they're going to say to that, well, these come from Scripture. And I would say to that, well, then let's just go to Scripture. These come from Scripture. You heard them. That's what they would say. And I would say, let's just go to Scripture. Baptists are a non-credal people. Let me say this. Be sure to learn about church history. It's a great thing. To learn about uh, the early church fathers, that may be a fun and, and good thing. But I want to tell you this. I'm going to be very plain here. I do not care. I'm going to be honest with you. What Martin Luther, Luther thought about the Bible. I don't care what John Calvin thought about the Bible. I don't care what Augustine thought about the Bible. I don't care what the council of whatever thought about the Bible. You know why? Because in the grace and the provision of God, I have a Bible. And so therefore, led by the Holy Spirit, we should go to the Bible. Not mad at those folks. Thankful for their, for their, for their looking into it. You know what? We are a non-credal people and we go to the word of God. Now, I could end it right there, but there's one more weird issue. The issue is this. So what about what is known as the Baptist faith and message? You ever heard of that? Uh, maybe you have the Baptist faith and message. We just said we're a non-credal people. So what in the world is the Baptist faith and message? The Baptist faith and message, uh, these are statements or confessions of Baptist belief. Now, they come from the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, the Southern Baptist Convention doesn't represent all Baptists. Uh, but that is a major portion of Baptists. Uh, the Baptist faith and message, they are documents that come forth out of the Southern Baptist Convention. At varying times in our history, in order to identify and affirm our beliefs as Baptists, uh, they put them out on paper under this heading, the Baptist faith and message. What is it that Baptists believe? What is it that we adhere to? To clarify that, they put them under this heading, the Baptist faith and message, and they produced them on paper. Uh, the first one of any notice was done in 1925. Uh, the second one was done, led by a guy named Herschel Hobbs in 1963. And the last one was done uh, in the year 2000. Adrian Rogers, Albert Muller, some guys were on that committee. So we've had three major uh, Baptist, uh, Baptist distinctives listed out in the Baptist faith and message 1925, 1963, and 2000. Sometimes you'll hear people say this, Baptists are confessional, but we're not creedal. And so when they're talking about the Baptist faith and message, they'll say, well, we are a confessional people, but we're not a creedal people. Confession means a message going outward. We're confessing something. A creed is a message that is embraced inwardly. And so here is our creed, 
This is what we embrace inwardly. This is our confession. That is what we profess outwardly. And so they would say the Baptist faith and message is produced in order to tell others what we believe as Southern Baptists. And so we've made the Baptist faith and message. It is not a creed. They would say it is a confession telling the world what we believe. They are non-authoritative. They are non-binding for the Baptist church. Let me tell you something about that. I think those are good. I think they're interesting. You can go read all three of those. Here's the problem with those. There are some people, especially in today's climate, who want to use them as creeds. And so they remember they're saying, we want a creed, we need a creed. Well, we have this document, let's use it as a creed. And so they want to up, up, uphold the Baptist faith and message like it has authority. So they would say, well, you're a missionary, you're a church, and, and something you're doing doesn't agree with the Baptist faith and message, and you have to adhere to this. And they're trying to use it as a creed. I'll say this. If you print them out, the 1925, the 1963, and the 2000 Baptist faith and message, you can print them out, some of them have them listed side by side. Here's what you'll notice. There are changes between all three. Well, hold on a minute. I thought this is the truth. How does that change? They evolve. Sometimes they devolve, devolve uh, with time. Now, why is that? It goes back to the same reason we reject creeds. They're written by people. They're done by people. They're interpretations of people. As Baptists, do not lose this. God's word is our source. The Holy Spirit is our guide. And so, therefore, we are a non creedal people. I'm going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 16. I'm going to read into verse chapter 4. It says this, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate enough equipped for every good work. Is the word of God sufficient? Do we need something else that says here that the, man, the word, man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work? Chapter four says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing his, in his kingdom. Here's what it says. Preach the word. Preach the word. We are a people of the Bible. We are a non-credal I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for the word of God. I pray, Lord, that we would trust it, that we would deem it sufficient, and that we would seek it, memorize it, read it, study it, take it in, hear it, and I pray, Lord, that we would be shaped by the word of God as it tells us of the living word, Jesus. Tells us of the problem of sin. Tells us of the remedy in our Savior. Tells us of the blessed hope, the coming again of Jesus. Lord, I pray we'd be people of your word. Lord, I'm thankful for people who have tried to uphold the truth, who have worried about heresy coming in. But I'm thankful, Lord, that, that we have the word of God, our Bible. I pray we'd be people of it. Lord, I pray for us as a church tonight that we, would, that we would be refocused on embracing your word, of putting value to your word, 
of studying and reading as individuals your word, as gathering as, as a collective group to, to again hear and break down your word. Help us be a people of the word. And I, Lord, pray that that would bear fruit as we go into a lost world, a people that have set down the idea of truth and for sure the truth of God's word. Help us in that, bless us in that. Lord, I pray for our church that you would bless it. Pray for our church that you would use it. Pray for the ministries of our church that you'd be known through it. Uh, pray for our church members tonight that are sick, uh, that are ill, that are hurting tonight, those that have suffered loss, uh, th those that are doing, dealing with things we, we may not even know about. Lord, we hold them up to you as well. And we know that you hear our prayers. Lord, we come tonight and our final act of this day is to say, you are our king. You are our Lord. You are the victor. And we exalt you. We tell you we love you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.